0: Let's just kind of dive into the text a little bit. I did want to say one of the things that I thought about after um, I know we kind of went back last week on the text of it, you know just on, on the general if the uh, if the uh, the group that he was talking to was Christians or not, and you get a variety of things. And and um, I, w- I just wanted to say that the audience he he talks about a, about three ways, and I just wanted to kind of paint that in frameworks um i'm trying to think exactly where that was i I think it's in in um 10 i'll try to find it here in a second but the first part you know here at the end of chapter five um he speaks about the believers being very immature and we talked about the responses of that um and just before we move on to our text today I, i will just say this as he finishes up what we didn't cover in verse nine of um of our chapter, Hebrews 6 here, he says, though we speak in this way, speaking about all the, the harsh warnings he said, he says, yet in your big case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, and so in his opinion of the audience, um, he he feels like You know, these guys are saved. Uh, He sees they're very mature. He can't be um, 100% sure. But let me um, try to find this text real quick. I didn't have it marked. I just had it in my head. But I I believe it's in Hebrews 10. Um, Let me see if I can find it. Um, Give me one second. It's sprinkled. Okay, yeah. So in Hebrews 10, verse 32, he says this about our audience um, of, of the book here. He says, But recall the former days when after you were enlightened, which is the word he used there in that text, Psalm um, 6 um, 4 through 6. He says, After you were enlightened, you endured hard struggles, a hard struggle with suffering. And that's the key thing to me, that you endured hard struggle with suffering. And he goes on to elaborate on that a bit in verse 33. He says, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plunder of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. I think that this text here, in my opinion, um, gives more confidence that 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 these people were believers than anything else that's said about them in the book of Hebrews. And like I said, I would focus in on where he says, you endured hard struggle with suffering. And the point that I would highlight as we ministered a To people as believers, as we do the work of discipleship, um, we do not want to be, we do not want to go down the pathway of easy believism for this reason, Um, because you don't want to get to heaven and just try to paint this picture. You don't want to get to heaven and see people that you thought were going to be there, not be there. And you don't want to find out that that reason is because you told them all they had to do is say a prayer and get baptized. And at that point in time of you saying all they got to do is say a prayer and get baptized, you ignored that their heart never changed, that Christ never made a, a new birth in them and worked in them. So so we can't always know what God's doing in someone's life, but our basic framework needs to be encouraging that new birth, that growing in maturity, that, um, that being changed from the inside outward. Um, And and for us, I think one point, not that it's the only point, but one thing for us to focus on this morning and to acknowledge is that those that we've had the privilege of seeing walk in the Christian life for five, 10, 15, 20 years, one of the things that should give us all the most amount of confidence is to watch them grow on the inside, for christ through hard times and struggling so i'm i'm going to read this again he said in your former days after you were enlightened because we can be enlightened in a moment we can be justified in a moment we as a as personally we can be enlightened and not know exactly what happened we just know something happened um someone can watch you be enlightened and say i think something happened there and maybe be years from there for knowing that you know I remember back at that camp, or back at that moment, they did this, and, and they've never been the same since. That may be the stories, but here he says, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, and he gives this list, sometimes being publicly exposed. if If someone says, oh, you must be a Christian, and you 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 um, cower down and you and, and you don't have enough inside of you that you say you're right. I'm a Christian. You need to be one too, you know. But publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those who are are treated. When someone's being made fun of being a Christian, do you do you stand beside them or do you you walk away? And, um, and 34, for you had compassion on those in prison and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property. I mean, what does that look like that you joyfully, when someone steals your stuff and you say, God bless them, you know? Um, and so I, I don't want to keep rambling on that. If you guys want to touch you know, say any th- things about that before we get to our text, but I, I, um, so there at 1032 is one of the things that we'll get to that eventually and look at it as we move through the process, but, but as we, as we, do, as we wonder through our mind if these people were saved or not, um, I, I don't think, you know, all the immature talk and, um and the, we hope for better things for you, I don't think that in the chapter six gives a lot of confidence but I think when he comes back to here and, and, and begins to give factual resume about what he knows about their story, I think, um, shed some light on what kind of audience he's talking to, um, as, as far as their, their, um, uh, place in Christ, um, anybody open thoughts on that before we, well, um, I will say, um, when you take this, um, this chapter as a whole, um, I I think if you put uh, the danger of losing your salvation up to to the uh, assurance of your salvation, you're kind of doing that, um, putting them side by side one another uh, in this next text. And so I think anyone that's going to treat Hebrews six right um, should treat all twenty verses, um, you know, and not just just um, you know some take six four through six and that's all they deal with. Uh, but you you you, sh- you surely need to look at all the text. So let's look at this this morning. Um, let's see the first point. We'll read um, um, 13 to 16. Um, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, "Surely I will bless you and multiply you." And 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 thus Abraham, having patiently waited, Obtained the promise, for people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. I guess I probably should have stopped at fifteen there. Um, let me see, I'm getting into the second point. Let me just, yeah. So let's just stop with fifteen. Um, for when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no greater by whom to swear he swore by himself saying surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham having patiently waited, obtained the promise. Um, I, I think, you know, as, as you package this up, I think two things to focus on here is um, is the promise and patiently waiting. Um, if you think about literally um, the patient waiting of Abraham he was given a promise, and ten years later, he's sitting at a scene, and he hadn't seen the promise come come to pass. Um, and so, him and his wife get together, and and he interacts with Hagar, and we have an Ishmael. But but you see the hand of God uh, of man trying to do God's work. Um, and if you really trace back the um, problems that that has. happened in this world from that one particular um, decision. Um, But to be fair, um, Abraham had to wait 25 years to Isaac from the time he of promise. Now there was a lot in the promise, like land promise and stuff that he never really got to see in his lifetime. Um, So I, I guess I'd open up this morning. Have you ever struggled with with um, God just spoke to you in your heart, a promise uh, that you were pretty excited about, and then it just took a long time for it to come about, and you you kind of got weary, or you struggled with weariness in that part of the journey. Does does that speak to anyone this morning that you can you can share about? Your faces say, what are you talking about? <laughs>
1: Are you, talking, are, you about, are you talking about a
2: promise
3: that you read? Are you talking about a promise that you read in the Word, or just
0: the Holy Spirit coming to you, I- feeling a promise to you? Yeah. Yeah, some of them both, but just, just had, when you think about Abraham, you know, I mean, I don't know. I've read the story of Abraham, and, and I see him, and Hagar, and I'm like, dude, what's your problem, you know? And, and, and I'm not realizing that he's waited 10 years at that point. And I look at things where promises I've been given, whether it be by the Spirit or the Word or whatever, you know, Probably I'm probably talking more about the Spirit because it's personal, but, but you feel like God's going to, He's got something, and He's going to do it in your life and 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 then year one comes by and year two like i've had times in my life that my patient's level was like a week like oh just abandoned me because ain't he, he done this in a week you know
1: um but anyway i,
0: I just gonna open that up if, if if that's not
2: something that's on your mind yeah i think we're very short-sighted dennis um I, when I look at Abraham, I know a lot of times we read through verses, and we think that, hey, that happened pretty quick, you know, what's the problem, why, why, why is he taking matters into his own hand, but when you really stop and think that it was 10 or 25 years that he waited for something, that is, that is an extremely long time, and it, it reminds me of, uh, I mean, we've all seen this story or heard this story where, you know, a a mom had been praying for this son and then he finally comes around and comes back and repents and get his gets his right his life right with the lord and uh and she just weeps and she just says i've been praying for 20 years for this to happen you know and i i look at those stories and go man i would i would have given up at probably two weeks or so you know but the faithfulness of some people just um you know holding on to a promise that that God was going to do something, you know, so I'm, I know for me personally, I'm, I'm very short-sighted. I'm a, uh, a lot of times I'm, I want to get kind of the microwave mentality, put it in for two minutes, it needs to get done, you know, and, um, but I, I heard someone say one time, and this, this kind of keeps things in the perspective, you know, a lot of times we look at a timeline, so we look linearly at a timeline of how things happen. I've, I've heard it said that, you know, if, if you take that timeline, the way God sees that is he sees it this way, Is He, he he's looking down the timeline in a completely different angle. And so you know, there's no time in eternity, right? That, um, you know, we, we have such a timeline of um, seconds, minutes, hours, days, months, years. But when God sees that he's looking down that whole timeline of, of history, and he's just seeing it from Alpha to Omega, the beginning to the end. And and mm-hmm. um, we don't see things like that for sure.
0: And the the word promise is used a good bit here. And I've got to the point where purple is my color. I highlight things like the Holy Spirit or, or certain things. But I, I've started to ho- highlight uh, promise in purple because I think it's an important word um, to see that thread as you're looking through your your scripture um so when i when i'm looking through my my red um uh, digital copy of the bible and i see purple i i i i get a little more attentive but but i i remember um in galatians three when promise began to to take a little weight in my heart is is when he talks about abraham and moses and he says that the law cannot Uh, the law that I think the way it says it is the law that came 430 years after the promise cannot, you know, annul it. And it's, it's talking about how that the, the inheritance was given to Abraham as a promise and, and, and not as a fulfillment, you know, of the law. And so at that point, um, you know, I, I, I'll bring this up in the future weeks and we've talked about it a little bit before, but, God made promises in the Old Testament that in the New Testament were fulfilled in Christ. And we need to constantly come back to that narrative and see how scripture is is painting that picture for us. Um, if we miss that picture and the Bi- in the Bible and we don't have that framework to scripture and the Bible's just a bunch of words with a bunch of sayings and we don't realize that the Old Testament was an exciting story with no ending, and the New Testament is the ending, the fulfillment, the completion of what God promised to do in the Old Testament. If we don't begin to, 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 to get that coming together, we miss so much, but I wanted to highlight too is um, that God at times, and if you don't have this, um, this framework, you've probably read over scripture and never noticed this, but um, it's one of the best frameworks you can have um, as you're reading through the Bible is that God has unconditional and conditional promises. Now, people can play with those words and make them mean whatever they want. Um, but, but what I, what I want to kind of define those terms as is sometimes God does something for you just because he's awesome and he loves you and he just wants to do it. And it has nothing to do with, um, with you. Um, and at other times he makes a, 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 a contract or a covenant with you that's conditional that, um, that if you do this, he'll do that. And we, in our human nature and our flesh tend to make um, it all, sometimes our flesh can tend to make it all conditional. And so we're all always trying to navigate through the conditions, but but what he's doing with Abraham is an example, and that's why we can always go back to Abraham and and as an example of our, our salvation, our conversion. What he does to Abraham falls in my perspective as unconditional. Um, it's not based on. It's not heavily based on what Abraham does, which um, people try to bring it in and say, well, Abraham did this and Abraham did that. But it's the same way, like I've said before, with the Exodus event and the promised land. We see that when they were asked to take the promised land, that it required some faith on their part, some belief that God was going to do it. Well, God was still going to do most of the work, if not all the work, but when you see the Exodus experience, you see some babies that are being rescued, people that are in bondage that don't know no better. And if God wouldn't have rescued us from the bondage of our sin, we would still be lost. And we need to be careful with as he's brought us out of Egypt to, 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 to looking back and rewriting that that Exodus story of our life as being, well, we did this, we did that. Cause we always like to say, well, the reason we're where we're at is because we did this or we did that, and it's difficult for us sometimes to just surrender to the fact that if it wasn't for Christ, we'd be a hopeless case, you know, and um, so I, I just wanted to lay that out a little bit just for you guys to think about. I don't know how much you've thought about it in the past, but I think it's helpful framework, the promise. And the fulfillment and be looking for that as you as you're looking at these stories, but also um, unconditional and conditional and and specifically in this text, he's talking about um, the 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 promise to
4: Abraham. So
0: anybody, I feel like I'm doing all the talking. Jeff, you got anything this morning?
4: <laughs> yeah, know, you uh, you bring up a good point of that conditional and unconditional uh, covenants that, that the Lord makes would would you say that the moses the mosaic covenant was more of a conditional full of blessings and curses if you do this then you will be blessed if if you do this then you will be cursed and and sometimes you know like you said we we get into this conditional mindset that well i may lose favor with the lord if i do this or i may lose my salvation if i do this whereas it's more along the lines of this this Abrahamic covenant where it was one way God swearing by himself that I'm going to do this just because I'm awesome. And, um, you know, that's, that's what we have in Christ that, that, that was a, a promise made, um, to redeem a people for himself. And then not one would be plucked from his hand or taken from him. And, and to be part of that, th- there's, it's not conditioned upon what we do or don't do. It's based on, on what he did. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good and, distinction because sometimes you, you look at the old covenant, the Mosaic law, and you think that, well, we still may be operating in, in that in a sense.
0: And, and that Galatians 3 text, it, it, it talks about like a, a man, like how you could be a son and the heir of promise, but you're no better than a, a servant. And, and the way that's framing that up is when you look at from the given of the Mosaic law Mount Sinai to the cross where Christ said it was finished, the the elect was essentially under a manager. And even if they were an heir, they were no better, you know, they, I mean even if they were a son, they were no better than a servant because the fulfillment of things had not had not come. Well um in the point I was trying I said point I was trying to make is um it's so in that distinction, like when you when you when you use Abraham and Moses, you know, that's what should bring some joy to this text is that we're fortunate enough to been born after the cross. You know, you know, they were just hoping for, you know, and looking forward to the fulfillment where they would be, you know, that they would receive the rights of the heirs of a son, and um, and I think that's something we can can neglect is is the great privilege we have. I mean, that should at least put a little notch in this great salvation and and kind of give us that realization. You know, when Paul talked to the Gentiles when they were grafted in because the Jews, uh, they they uh, they neglected such a great salvation, so to speak um he, he warned them look this is kind of came easy for you don't make the same mistakes they did you know um so anyway uh but you, i but i talk, think i think what you you're talk saying, about
4: waiting patiently for a promise too they waited 400 years until they heard the voice calling out from yeah. the wilderness all right
0: so yeah we're we're just children in the faith when it comes to waiting patiently there's some people that waited way longer than us with a lot less um, um, evidence of, of, you know, of of promise, you know, just very glimmers. Um, All right, well, let's, you know, if if, if you had something on that and you want to jump back to it, um, do it, but um, let's just read a few more verses here. In 16, it says, For people swear by something greater than themselves, And in all their disputes, an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desires to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, this unchangeable character of uh, the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. uh, And I'll kind of stop with there. It it does go on to say we we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement. And so, this to me, at the text that we have, this was uh, was the kind of a, the main point that he's saying. And as I was trying to process it, it was a little bit—I don't know if it was for you, but it's a little bit difficult. Difficult language. I think I, I broke it down to what's what's being said. Um, but I, I'll give you an example. Um, I had a pool client. Um, I had a guy reach out to me that I knew another pool technician. And um we, we have a pretty um respectful relationship with one another. And he said, Look, well, I got a guy in Greystone, that's a gentleman by you and um uh, and um he uh, he he's having a hard time getting a good pool guy. I recommend it to you. You think go look at it. So I go over there and the guy's pretty nice and the place is, is amazing. I mean it's got it's got money falling out the you know, the bricks, you know. It's just really a nice place. It's got like five pumps pool heater air conditioning i mean waterfall slide all that and so at one point i like this is this is cool you know and so but the guy goes on to talk about how unhappy he is with the um, the previous person and um and i'm looking at the pool looks pretty great it's a lot of technology it all seems to be working pretty fine and i just kind of kind of let my heart go to the Lord for a second, and I kind of was like, God, what do you think about this? And and I just began to feel something in my spirit that just didn't seem right. And I and and I, you know, my, the the flesh in me is like,
1: woohoo, look at this pool, this is
0: <laughs> this is awesome. But something in my spirit was just like stay away from this, this is trouble, <laughs> and I just began to think, I was like, you're trying to do this for your family, and this is a total stumbling block for that, and I just began to feel, and uh, and the guy was back and forth, and so I kind of ignored him for a while, and about two weeks went by, and he called me, he said, look, the, or it might have been about three weeks, I thought it was over with, I, I thought I had ghosted him, and that was the end of it, um, and, and and I felt peace about it. I felt like this is what the Lord says. I mean, I'd like to do the pull, but I just don't feel right about it. I'm just, I'm just, I'm a walk by faith. I'm just not going to do it. And about three weeks or so, he he reaches out to me and says, Hey, the guy's ready to do it. You know, can you send the contract over? And I, I think I'd sent something like an estimate, but we don't have a written contract. And he was complaining about how the guy before wasn't, wasn't keeping his end of the contract up. I just felt like the more I thought about it I said this is a lawsuit waiting to happen it's probably bad thing one and the second thing is he's going to try to make me pay for everything this other guy didn't do and and I just was like this this is starting off on the wrong foot so I I had to sit down and write a letter to him and I basically said look I can see that you entertain a lot and you're going to uh, you're going to you're going to you're going to probably want someone to to be there at the drop of a hat, and I don't think I can do that. I, I've got too much going on. I just don't have the time for that, and I, you know, I, I just don't think it's going to work on that basis. And then I told him, I said, "Well, we don't make contracts with people." And basically, the idea was we do it on a good handshake. If if either one of us don't feel right about each other, we move on. And 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 my point of where this sets with the text, the, the the text is as I was reading this, I thought about. I don't just get in contract with anybody. I mean, if they're shady, I I don't lock arms and get in covenant with them. And so what I, what I thought about this is, is I had to, as a businessman, I had to say, look, I'm not signing a contract with you, you know, just to base the way you're approaching this thing. I, I just, I don't feel like this is something that's good, good for us. And so when I thought about that, when I looked at this is that God is going beyond his word cuz cuz that's I guess the big thing for me. I have many a clients that my word is enough and we work hard to honor our word. You know, we don't do any advertisement, so all of our business comes from word of mouth. So it's it's based on our experience. It's it's people that have had a good experience with us says we got a great person you need to interact with them and we work hard to keep that name that reputation but but we don't walk in we we don't step into contracts with people that 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 they don't care about the value of our word we're actually even at the point in our business looking at eliminating clients because they don't appreciate you know uh, you know what we do for them they don't they don't realize how fortunate they are so we're we're at the point now where we're saying well look there's easier people out there because I've got people that I barely work on their stuff and they, they give us big tips. They're so thankful. They're so happy because they've had bad experiences with other people. And I hope that's not too much, just stories, but I, I'm trying to apply it to here. So, Dennis,
3: uh, Dennis, at least he didn't ask you to cut a cow in half and walk between the parts.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't think he was religious enough for that.
3: <laughs> How did he respond to your
0: letter? <laughs> Well, so he had, he had gave me $75 and I offered to give that back to him. He said, look, he said, you, you were honest. You were, you helped us, you know, understand and assess the situation. There's no need for you to do that. We appreciate it. If you're if you ever change your mind, let us know, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wrestled, I mean, I, I wrestled with it. And, and, and the reason I wanted to share that story, you know, in, in light of this is because we're talking about two things. You're talking about, as I'm talking about myself, we're talking about our word. Can people trust your word? When people that have been close to you and interacted with you, do they say this person's word is good? You know, do they do they does your network get built based on your, your interactions with people? They say, look, man, I've had a positive interaction with this person and, 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 and you ought to give them a shot because they they do what they say they're going to do. And so there's your word, but also God has given an oath or he's given a contract. He's saying, you know, I promise to you, I'm going to do this. And what I'm saying is with this guy, I wasn't willing to go that far. I was willing to give him my word, but I wasn't giving him a contract. And 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 so when we're talking about assurance, someone far greater than me, far greater than anyone we know, the God of heaven, is not only giving us his word, he's given us a contract, a written contract. And so when he says by by two he said i'm looking for the right part he says by two
3: unchangeable things
0: so 18 so that by two unchangeable things and which is it impossible for god to lie and and that's the part the language i got confused but the two things is his let me let me see to make sure if i wrote it right um because because i got to the point um
3: so he what, gave are the two, what are he gave his
0: promise and he followed up with an oath so with
3: been, an oath and, and that's oath.
0: what I, yeah but but that's what i wrestled with what are the two things and and as i looked at a few of the narratives and 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 you guys can unpack this in, in your thoughts this morning is how good is god's word if he wouldn't have given us a contract would that still been enough and what the author is obviously expressing as the main point of whatever the details of his data is saying here, is he's saying, we have two amazing things to place our hope in. So what's y'all's thoughts on on, on that?
3: It says men swear by someone greater <laughs> than themselves in 16. And in our legal system today, although... For so many unsafe people it doesn't really mean anything but when you when you're in a court of law or you take a take an oath of office you swear on a Bible or you swear um, by God's name nobody greater than us but there was nobody greater than God for God to swear by or to make his yeah. oath. By. you know and, and, and you know, I've never been to court like that but they, they say do you swear so help you God. And so God, since there was no one greater for him to swear by, he swore on himself. Which I guess everybody kind of already understood that, but. Yeah.
0: So any, any, else, any
4: other thoughts? Yeah, this, Um, you remember back in Genesis 15, when when God makes the uh, the covenant with Abraham and they divide the animals up and Abraham has to kind of chase them off with a stick with the birds of the air coming and trying to eat these, these blooded carcasses. And, um, in the, in the text you see that he put Abraham in a deep sleep and then the Lord himself passed through the covenant. It wasn't the Lord and Abraham. So it wasn't both of them entering this covenant together. This was a one way unilateral promise that the Lord made. Um, do you think that ties in into this text here? Absolutely.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking about the same thing, Jeff, and that's a good point. It, especially, and i you know, a lot of people, I've never really heard a lot of people talk about that, even in a lot of sermons and stuff, is that um, Abraham had something to do, and that was to, to get these animals and to sacrifice them and cut them in half. But when it came down to the fulfillment of the covenant itself, he put Abraham in a deep sleep, which, you know, is you know, it's maybe different than a contract. It was a covenant, you know, in a contract, maybe both parties have to agree on something. But in this case, it was a it was a one sided covenant, like you said, where you know, put him to sleep so he couldn't mess it up. And, you know, it probably speaks a, a lot about where we are too, is a lot of times God does things without us in the sense because we we have the ability to screw it up and put abraham to sleep and he walked through these um divided pieces and made this covenant um so yeah good point
4: if it, if it were up to us you're right mike we would mess it up so praise the lord that it was just him who promised with and himself. he knew that
0: <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah. He, he, he
0: knew that he'd been dealing with this long enough <laughs>
3: if, you, if you uh which y'all probably already know, I'm speaking at the choir, but how that how that, how that, situation with the animal worked, you, the two parties would walk through the animal and you were basically by walking through there were saying, if you break your end of the bargain, what happened to this animal happens to you. So you're basically saying, you know, you're going to die. You, you give your life to break the covenant. So God knew that we would screw it up. So he put you know, Abraham to sleep and he went through it on his own. So there was no there was no condition for us at all in that covenant because god knew who'd screw it up and then the, and then the, 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 the mosaic and then the davidic covenants were weren't like that and if you read the end of deuteronomy moses pretty much reiterates everything to the israelites before they go over the jordan and he said if you keep your end this will happen but if you don't keep your end this is going to happen so that wasn't that was a conditional covenant and then Moses basically predicted prophetically that they were going to break their end of the bargain. So this is a
0: completely is.
3: covenant.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I, I seen, I, I seen one commentary highlighted these four things in this last part. This he, uh, he talks about. Um, the city of refuge in, in the old testament, but but I guess the key word in the text would be refuge anchor forerunner and high priest. And so as we look at this um uh, this last part, uh, we'll kind of unpack those those four um those four words. Um so he says um let's see where did I exactly finish off. Um I think we didn't read the lat but, but we'll start off in 18 we had read, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, and then we'll pick up at this point, he says, we who have fled for refuge, so that's the first point, we we fled to refuge, and um, one comparison to the Old Testament was people that that had gotten in trouble for killing someone, and maybe it was accidental, they would, they would find a safe haven in the um, refuge cities, they had six of them, and um and so they're comparing um us finding refuge in christ for from our sins so we who have fled from refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope before us we have this a sure and steadfast anchor which is the second point that um anchor of the soul um a hope enters a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner, that's the third point, and I, on our behalf has become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So, or Melchizedek, I'm sorry. <laughs> Old habits die die hard, huh? <laughs> but so in this chapter thirteen tomato. to twenty, the deck, <laughs> <milk's a> deck. <laughs> So, uh, but in this thirteen to twenty, you know, he is clearly trying to give us hope and an insurance, and he's given us some reasons for it. And so, after giving the uh, God's word and His oath to us, He gives us these four things. And um, so so let's walk through it. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. I've always, just reading through the Old Testament, I always just got something from the cities of refuge. Um, you know, I don't know about y'all, but I, I years went by and I didn't know why, but I enjoy this text because um, one point we can we can praise God for this morning is that we found refuge you know in Christ
4: yeah, um, anybody Dennis, on if, that point if you too? remember whenever um whenever a hurricane comes or whenever Katrina came they called the the people who fled the city refugees and um you know they got put up in Houston and Louisiana and all over the place and eventually the media, you know, came on and said, you know, should, shouldn't call them that. Um, they didn't like being called that term. And I think they went to something else. I don't remember what it was, but, but refugees is simply somebody seeking refuge from destruction that's coming. And, you know, as Christians, we're refugees. Um, you know, we, the destruction that's coming was, you know, the, the debt that we've incurred for ourselves for the sin that we've you know, that we've made. And so we seek refuge in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I don't, you know, think that that's necessarily a bad term. There's, there's certainly destruction that was coming. And, um, and so we find our refuge in Christ. Yeah,
0: that's good. That's just what, that's just what sinners do with words. They're too sensitive. (laughs) What do you say, Paul? Go ahead.
3: Oh, just another mm-hmm. analogy from the Old Testament to the New would be you know, the, the mercy seat was behind the veil that only the, only the high priest could go once a year. And now we can all enter, uh, where it says, uh, enter the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where Jesus, who went before us. So now we can, set, like Jeff said, we seek refuge in Christ analogy being them seeking refuge in the refuge cities but another analogy is to the temple where the priest went behind the to the holy of holies behind the veil to the mercy seat which we are now able to through christ uh go beyond here you know, the veil is taken away and we can go, go, go basically to the same type of thing with christ himself
0: and take refuge yeah so so the next the next little thought was may strong encouragement hold fast the hope set before us that we have a sure steadfast anchor of the soul. So so when we think about the hope we have in Christ, what would you what would you say about the 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 promise and the blessing we've been given that um as as in that term as as him being our the anchor for our soul and our hope.
3: Well, I mean, like an anchor, if you use, uh, I mean, what do you use an anchor for to, on a ship, you keep, hold, hold your ship in place, and when a storm comes, or, you know, the waves are too high or the wind's too strong, I mean, you anchor, if a hurricane comes through, you might want to anchor some things in your yard down a little bit to keep it from blowing away.
4: Yeah, very, very rarely do you use an anchor in calm seas or calm waters. It's it's whenever the storms come in and you know you're going to be moved or um, put it at sea. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, Keith.
1: Keith. Go hey Keith. No, it's just an anchor. It's it's a steadfast. It's a it's a tool used, you know, to hold steadfast. It's firm. It's in place. Uh, going back to you know, 18, so that through two unchangeable things, it doesn't change with an anchor. It's, it's gonna hold and cling to it. I just thought that was pretty profound. I'd read a while back that the symbol, you know, we wear crosses today, but back then in that day, anchors were a symbol of a Christian. I just think that interesting as the, the, you know, the symbol of that, or what it may be, but uh, just the power of an anchor, you know, and its purpose. Yeah. Been, so, I've
3: like, written, it said they said you know how they found in the old tombs and catacombs that they found a lot of anchor symbols, like they'd have the fish symbol a lot,
1: mm-hmm.
3: and they found the anchor symbols in a lot of the old Christian uh, catacomb tombs and stuff.
0: Well, based on you know, I think some of the comments we've had this morning is Jeff had talked about the refuge, and uh, one audience will look at that as as a as a bad thing Um, and then this anchor we're talking about storms we anchor our property down because we don't want it to blow off Um, so when destruction comes we've got to find a safe place so we're looking for a safe place but we also want to hold tightly to something and one of the uh, one of the uh, narratives I looked at was are you anchored to this light are you anchored to heaven? Are you anchored to the life to come? And sometimes we can cling to our life and not surrender this life and be anchored to, to heaven. And so um, as, as we look at both of these concepts, you know, are we looking for refuge with our finances and with our job more than we're looking for refuge in Christ? You know, um, do we think like in Noah's day, many of the people thought they were going to be okay but the only hope was in that ark you know if they didn't get in that boat and you got to think about patiently waiting he built that ark for 120 years you know at some point you could think there's it's just that crazy guy you know you can easily see where someone would said that destruction he's talking about isn't going to come he's been saying that forever but one day it came, and the only hope was finding refuge in that ark. And, um, and so I thought that was a good point about is our anchor, you know, because what we do, we anchor something to something solid, secure that we think is going to keep, whether it be our boat from floating off or our property from, from blowing off. We anchored in such a way. but well, Where is our hope anchored in Christ? Is our hope anchored in heaven? Or in this life, you know, more. more. Um, so um, the next one, we, we say hope before us, um, <clears throat> anchor to our soul, um, a hope that enters into the inner place bef- behind the curtain where Jesus, me, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner or on our behalf and becoming a high priest forever After the order of Melchizedek, so um, let's um, finish up with those two. What do you see there that gives us hope in the sense that Christ was a forerunner um, for us and a high priest? Still thinking about it. What's the question now? Just on those two, the forerunner of the high priest. What what do you see in there in in the terms of how does how is the author using that? To, 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 to accomplish his goal, which is, is to give us um, assurance in our salvation, encouragement that we have a, a great hope in, in this great salvation. I, I'll, I'll give you one commentary while you're thinking. It says that the writer then clinches the argument, the Savior is our forerunner who has gone ahead to heaven so that we may one day follow. The Old Testament high priest was not a forerunner because no one could follow him into the holy of holies. But Jesus is going into heaven so that one day we may follow. And I think about the John 14 text where he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Um, If if it was not so, I would tell you plainly. so in that sense, I think that's the part that hit me the most, that he's a forerunner, that he's gone to a place that we're going to follow him at one day, where there was never an idea of anyone following the high priest in the Holy of Holies. So Christ has done more than going to the Holy of Holies, which is a representation of holiness in this life. He's went into heaven. He's not hes not went into the shadow of or the 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 uh, the, uh, the the type of of the holy of, of holiness. He's went into the the throne of holiness in heaven, not not one here on earth. Um, so I thought I guess the forerunner gives us encouragement in the sense that we can follow. It's not like the high priest. The high priest wasn't a for forerunner where we couldn't follow. Christ is saying we can follow him one day and and I've, I've thought it's been interesting as we went through this study it's amazing how many times um and i've always known that as a christian it's amazing how often we talk about christ is at the right hand of the father like when you go through the book of acts they're always talking about it when you go through the book of psalms they're talking about it and and, and I've asked at, at times, because I surely, I know I surely haven't fully understood what the right hand of the Father meant. But when we get to this last point about a high priest and what the author labors through this this book is that Christ is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, you know, daily. Um, you know, and that, that that's what, what, what I would I would say that gives us hope is that the one that was made weak, tempted, and suffered, and knows us better than I, than we, than we know ourselves, understands our situations, and is praying for us daily. Um, so, any any final thoughts on that? Yeah, hey, the veil, the veil has been
1: removed.
3: We can enter into the presence of. Because of Jesus, with Jesus, through Jesus, we can directly and it's mind boggling, but we can put our request directly to God, the Father, through Jesus' intercession in the in the ultimate heavenly holy of holies.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm and just
3: you can't really even grasp that just so, it just it's so humbling and mind boggling.
1: Right. i have just always being was- a little analogy of a bridge, you know, Jesus is the bridge um, that connects us to, to our Heavenly Father. I mean, without it, you know, I just think of the canyon, the Grand Canyon, you know, he bridges that, he bridges us across that canyon. Without it, we're hopeless, we're not safe and we're secure, we're just, we're there. And uh, he's our bridge that we need. Good. Any final
2: thoughts, Mike? I was just thinking of the term that the New Testament uses sometimes is that He's the first fruit of the resurrection. You know, it's that it's it's Him that that did it first, and and we follow Him. I, I think it's John three thirteen, which um, you know jumped out to me as a new believer and sitting in that Bible study that I talked about earlier. You know, way on, and my father-in-law to this day references that is that jesus made a comment he said no one has ascended to heaven except he who comes from heaven which is the son of god so it you know it just paints the perfect picture that heaven was not an option before the cross yeah they went to a, a holding place to a paradise but to get to the the final place of rest and the final glory could only be accomplished through the completed work that happened at the cross and that that blood that was shed and that final sacrifice that took place so in, in John 3.13, Jesus made it clear that no one has gone there yet until, you know, except for he who had came down. So he was already there. He He came down, humbled himself, became the perfect sacrifice, and ultimately, like Keith said, built that bridge and walked across it for us. And, and as the for, uh, forerunner, we get to follow him because of his completed work that he's done for us. Yeah. Jeff, you got a
0: last thought? Before we get off, I thought you was trying to say something.
4: No, sorry, I was just listening in. I've uh, it got a little crazy. Amy had to leave, so I'm yeah, got the three kids going. <laughs> I could, but yeah, on that forerunner's ideas, the fact that there's a forerunner that w- that we're the after runners, and uh, <laughs> you know that's that's our pursuit. And like you mentioned in that Hebrews ten, we do it through during suffering and, and trials and that sort of thing. But, um, but yeah, I'd, sorry, I got, I got a little distracted here at the end.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
4: when mom, man. When mom uh, leaves, we... everything falls apart.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so me and my wife was laughing last night. And was talking about her cousin and, and she her cousin has a special needs child and we was talking about their life and she said sometimes that that when he gets home he might have worked a 12 hour day but but she'll she's had enough and she'll bring him the special needs child and say here you've got to take him and me and my wife was talking about her and her cousin are a lot alike but we were talking about how sometimes your, your wife can come to you and give you a look And it's a sweet look or sort of a sweet look, but it says, I dare you to say
1: something.
0: (laughs) But yeah, man, we we all, if we've been married more than a minute, we know that 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 there's sometimes mama gives us a look. We better just step up, right? (laughs) So um, anyway, well, um, thank y'all for this morning. Um, we'll start back in the meat of the, of the text, um, next week. And, um, I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm praying that, that God, God, um, gives us a, you know, just, just builds our, even though we've been Christians a long time, I, I still believe he can, he can sharpen our firm foundation and, um, and, and, you know, and, and create something special. Um, you know, I, I, had, a, I had a dream the other night, just a weird dream. And I, I can't even tell you, you know, much specifically about it or if it meant anything, but, but I can tell you what my heart did is uh, basically what happened is I was in some type of church building and the spirit of revival started happening and people just started uh, total surrender, responding to God and, and repenting. And I'm going to tell you, it was just a dream, but 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 it revealed to me what my heart's desire is. Um, sometimes in this life i I go to church weekly and I interact in this world and i i wonder i wonder sometimes if God can do that or if he even does if he's ever going to do it again but I can tell you I was thankful for that dream because for a moment in that dream um it wasn't like my little boy dreams where I'm water skiing or snow skiing or whatever and rejoicing and that kind of stuff but it was about the things of God, where I was in in the presence of people being moved by God's Spirit in such a way that they were were repenting and 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 drawing near to Him in holiness. And um and so man, it it was a delight. And I hope I've always hoped that I, I I've been a part of some pretty wonderful times in my Christian life. I I, I hope to to be a part of that again, but. But we look what he But he, but but if if we think about all that we do, we're all doing it, setting the stage for that moment for God to deeply interact with people, with us, and that changes everything. There's nothing this life has to offer that's more valuable than that. And um and and you know and, and it's my you know it's it's. It breaks my heart to know that there are people that have never, when we talk about they've never known Christ and salvation, but they've never known him to just mightily move and change someone's life or change um, a group of people's life. And um, so let's continue to pray for that. Surely our nation needs revival. Um, And and I, I, I repent this morning from the fact that sometimes I just, I get weary in the patient. He must have to rescue someone, huh? But I get weary in the patient, in the patient um, in waiting patiently. Um, And I haven't done 10 years. I haven't done 25 years. I surely haven't done 400 years. And so we should be encouraged by by these people that have went before us. Uh, We should be encouraged about, you know, I think about Peter in John six. He says, in 666, they, you know, chapter 6, verses 66, they all go away. And, and Peter looks to him and he says, Are, are you going to go too? And Peter comes from a place of not really understanding what he just preached and not really knowing all the answers, but he says, Where else would we go? You alone have the words of life. And if we expect our hope for revival in our nation, um, where else are we going to go? The president? You know, some other country, the you know, some kind of climate control. Where else are we going to go? And so while we don't fully understand it, and that's what Peter and the disciples were doing there at the end of six, is they didn't fully understand what was going on, but they knew that Jesus was the way. And they were, they were anchoring to him, and they were following him as a forerunner, even though they didn't have all the facts. And so I just ask you to continue to study, continue to pray, um and, and I, I hope that we get to one day, you know, we're gonna one day in heaven get to be a part of the presence of God and him moving in a mighty way. But I I hope we get the chance to see a few more people get into glory and uh and, and see God do something special in in our land. So all right. Well uh this we'll land the plane here. Um get someone to pray us out. Um any anybody got a burning thought? Before, that they they got to say before we get off are we we good okay who wants to close us in prayer
3: father god lord i thank you for the day lord and uh as we talked about earlier the patience and the time lord uh as peter said in just a he said a thousand a thousand years is like a day to you lord and that's really not even uh scratching the surface of that lord so Lord, I did the kind of quick math, and I probably screwed it up. But um, at 25 years, is on heavenly time on your time, Lord, is just barely over 30 minutes, Lord. So teach us to be patient, Lord, and and anchored, and hold hold fast to the course, Lord. Follow you, Lord. Uh, Lord, thank you for the fellowship in the group, Lord, and uh for you just uh, opening our hearts and our minds to uh, your word, Lord, which is active and alive, Lord, and uh, Lord help us to truly grasp uh Jesus who you are and that you that you stand that you took the veil away and you stand in the presence of Father God, Lord, and you bring our prayers and our requests before Him. And He answers those prayers, Lord, uh, not because of us, Lord, but because of you, Lord, uh, His precious Son. There's nothing we can ever do to thank you enough for that or or to repay you, Lord, but we just sit at your feet in awe, Lord. Humility. Franklin is um, let us each go to our church services today Lord and worship you and praise you Lord and um, to honor you with our lives Lord and to um, just share the good news, Lord the gospel and never never forget that the gospel is what it's all about Lord and all these other things fit in their places, Lord, but we're all anchored in you and in the gospel Lord. So we love you Lord and bless uh, each of these men and their families Lord and Shane who's not with us today, Lord. We ask these things in your most precious and
0: holy name, Jesus. Maybe. All right. Well, I enjoyed watching you disciple that little girl, Jeff, this morning. You teaching her to eat. <laughs> I saw her doing her. I saw her doing her hands one time. Now she's growing, like, "Who's that crazy?" She's like, "Who's that crazy, crazy guy?"
4: <laughs> I think she saw herself on video and got excited.
1: Look at, look at her. <laughs> wow,
4: that's awesome. Yeah. Well, well, y'all have a good day. Thank you, guys. You too. You okay. Appreciate you. you have a blessed one.
1: See you guys.